you saw the very best players the entire country has to offer, and you saw it throughout the course of the weekend. He's growing, he's improving at such a rapid rate. He, he's going to be a very good player. This guy's a cross between Sean Marion and Lamar Odom. He's a six foot eight lefty, a high level athlete, but also got a little bit of point forward skills in him as he can handle and pass the ball extremely well. At this point, they are simply the standard by which everyone else is judged in prep school basketball. He's considering the likes of Michigan, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas. Welcome back to the Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Finkelstein, and this week we have a different kind of episode for you. We have Mike Giuseppe, and Mike is the newest addition to the Ringers podcast lineup with his Sports Card Nonsense podcast, and I'm excited to have him for a couple different reasons. First and foremost, uh, Mike is the best at what he does. Um, He is at the top of this sports card field, and if you're anything like me, Maybe you grew up and you were passionate about sports cards as a kid, and you are now finding that it has become big business. Second, Mike is from the New England area, local Massachusetts guy, although he's, he's recently relocated. And, uh, and as I said, this is a, an industry that is really gaining a ton of momentum. So, Mike, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Yeah, glad to be. Hey, you said I'm the best at what I do. It's not true, but I'll take it, man. That's what I mean. You know, I'm willing to show up for compliments. I'm here. That, that's what that's that's what they tell me. That uh, Gary V doesn't count. This isn't like his. Uh, you know, this isn't his his core thing. Okay, um, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, you know, Mike. Again, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, please correct me if I got any of this wrong. But I, it was about six or seven years ago. You had your own construction company, and you got out of it to do sports card kind of trading, is that the right word, on a, on a daily basis? Yeah, just kind of like a side hustle. You know, it was, hey, painting and drywall and, and framing, all that stuff's fun, but it was like, hey, there's a side hustle we can do and make a few bucks, me and a buddy here in Nashville. And so just kind of did both for a while, and then it just seemed like looking at the numbers. You know, I've always been kind of a numbers guy. Man, we're making X amount of dollars with without swinging a hammer and without, you know, killing myself. Yeah. Kind of just started making sense about five or six years ago, so we just got rid of the construction and just went full-time with this. Now, I got to tell you, I, I should preface all of this by saying uh, you are the expert at what you do. I'm a novice. Now, I, I grew up, um, sports cards were a huge part of my uh, upbringing. Nice. Uh, my, my mom and I would go to a sports card. I remember every week we'd get the paper. We'd look. You remember when like the sports card shows were listed in the paper? Oh, yeah. And you'd like run in the down, classified you'd... section. Oh, yeah. 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 That's exactly what we would do. And we'd go like anywhere in New England. I grew up in Connecticut, but whether it was Massachusetts or whatever. And it all started because um, my mom found like old baseball cards that she had collected when she was a kid. And then I don't know if you remember this, but if did you ever go to any of those shows growing up? Oh, yeah. Everything in mass, like the Shriners yeah. was the big show growing up. Me and my brother went there. But yeah, we same thing every other weekend. Every weekend we were we were at something. And there was always like an old retired player there, like right. signing autographs at the good ones anyway. Yep. And um, and so now but now it's turned into this huge business and it's not about kids and and parents going and, and trying to get, you know, a ten dollar card or a five dollar card at, at, a, at a local show. But it's become, um, you know, a, a market where where their big time investments being made right yeah you know sad to say as popular as the space has become yeah with anything else you know the, your entry level price just raises so high yeah so so definitely kids are starting to get left behind to a degree um 
And yeah, it's become a big thing. I mean, like you said, we talked with Gary V and on and off air, he's telling us about hedge fund groups that are buying in. Of course, wow. my boss Simmons is worth a ton of money and him and his guys just, just bought into golden auction for 40 million. You know, wow. so there's just a lot of people spending a ton of money in the space now, uh, not just collectors and guys like me and you who grew up liking it. Now it's just, hey, I can come in and make money doing this. And that's why they're in it. Now, if, if you'll indulge me, as I said, kind of assume that most of the, my listeners are on the novice side. And, and, and so I, I know this is, is going to be just kind of uh, sports cards for dummies. But sure. Uh, so I, I apologize for that. But if let's say my generation, my, what are the, which markets I'm going to rephrase this, which markets are the ones that are like at their peak now? I've heard you say, say uh, stuff about like vintage baseball and right. 90s basketball. Are those the things that are that are at their peak right now? Yeah, so vintage has always been the gold standard, right? Vintage baseball, especially. I mean, you can never go wrong. If you've bought a mantle any time in the last, I don't know, 20 years since I've been in the hobby, you've not lost money. Like you've done mm. well with it. Mays, Mantle, Hank Aaron, Ted Williams, those guys, their market has stayed steady and continue to grow. And then they've got a bump like like recently, like everything else has. The biggest explosion, though, has been so Adam, I'm 30, I'll be 35 next month. How old are you? I'm I'm 40 and it's brutal. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so I'm probably more when I wake up in the morning. It sucks. Yeah. So a youthful 35 and a brutal 40 year old. Yeah. So same generation growing up though. Similar. Yeah. Our guys growing up now, that's where you've seen the 10 X explosion. You know, Larry Bird was my guy growing up, even though he played before I was really watching his rookie cards have more than, I mean, quite frankly, you're, you're probably looking at 20 times the value. If, if a PSA eight rookie was 800, I use that because these are the stuff, this is stuff I have. I paid 800 years ago. Now it's 15, 14 to 16,000 given the day. The 80s right, right. stuff. 14 to 16,000? Yeah. A PSA 8 bird that was 800 bucks, 15 to 16 grand right now. And how Trading. rare is a, a PSA 8 is part of the, the grading scale? It, but right. Correct me if I'm wrong. wrong. Mm -hmm. It assesses the quality of, of the cut and the centering and all yep. that stuff. Every aspect of the card, 1 through 10. So a PSA 8, I believe there's about there's just under 3,000 of those that grade. Now, if you jump up to a PSA 9, I want to say there's about 300. A PSA 9 sells for like 60 to 70,000 right now. But right. years ago, I mean, I passed on PSA 9s for 7,500 five years right. ago. Right. It was like We're entering the part of the podcast, and I'm sure you deal with this all the time, where I'm just going to ask completely self-serving questions based on, on, on <laughs> what I have in boxes, I yep. think, somewhere, if I didn't throw the freaking things out. This, um so what if, so someone, let's say again, 40 year old with bad hips sits yep. there and says, you know what? I got a lot of this stuff in my basement. What does someone like that do right now? And they yes. know nothing. They haven't followed the field, the, the industry. They're just, they're just saying, wow, I wonder if I'm sitting on something here. Sure. So, and let me just say this, Adam, this is our target audience too on the podcast on the ringer. 99% cool. of the people reaching out are in your spot. Hey, I'm 40 and I feel brutal and my hips are terrible. Usually, so we, don't share yeah. they don't usually so share the podcast. Thing. We follow sports card nonsense on all the on all the social media. <laughs> but but honestly, that's the question. Like, hey, I, I used to collect when I was a kid. I know I've got a couple boxes in the basement. What do I do? Right. So so first thing, and we always preach this: uh, educate yourself. Go through your box. If you've never heard of somebody as a sports fan, it's probably because they're not that great. Like, if you pull out some Michael Jordan stuff. Great. First thing I would do is just go through and pull out anybody whose name I recognize for being a star of any kind. The guys think, who aren't the common cards, right? The common cards yeah. not even listed in Beckett. Right, because common cards, I mean, even now, commons from the 80s and 90s are still worth pennies if that. But mm. you start pulling out star cards, guys who are, you know, again, notable all-star Hall of Fame guys, pull those out. 
the toughest thing then is edu educating yourself on conditioning. You know, because mm -hmm. the average person looks at a card, oh, this looks pretty good. A card guy comes in and looks and says, well, the corner's dinged, it's off-centered. So I just tell people the easiest thing to do, go to eBay, put in the, you know, you have a 1991 Larry Bird. Okay, put in 1991 Larry Bird and put in PSA 8. Just so you have an idea on condition. And 8 is considered near mint. And then just be, you know, be scrutinize it. Does my card look as good as this? It does? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So that's probably going to give you an idea of what it's selling for. The other thing is a couple other assets. If you have a local card shop, read some reviews. Make sure it's not some clown in a jersey trying to rip people off. For the yeah. most part, though, shop guys are pretty good. Um, a pretty, you know, at this point, because so many of the bad ones have been rooted out, go have them take a look. Hey, can I get an appraisal on this? I'm not looking to sell, but I want to know if I have anything. Mm. He can probably help you out. And then Facebook forums, just Instagram, Twitter, all these different forums. Take some pictures and literally put it up with the caption. Hey, I need help with value. Anybody have any ideas? And you will get like our Facebook group. That's what we where we drive traffic. Yeah, I was just I was just going to ask people do that. Do you have those forums set up under your own umbrella there? Yeah, sports cards nonsense. So we're on Instagram, you know, Twitter, all that other stuff too. But on Facebook, that's to me the most active market and the most active forum. So hey, Adam just found these thirty cards in his basement. Take some decent pictures, put them in the po put them in a post on Facebook, and guys are gonna guys are gonna just tell you, hey, there's nothing there. Hey, there's you know this card might be worth a little bit. There's a bunch of knowledgeable people in the hobby now, though. The the process of getting a card graded, how does mm -hmm. that work? Yeah, so again, you have basically two main companies right now, PSA and BGS, which is Beckett, who used to put out that magazine. Maybe yeah, they still yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure. Uh, right. So literally, you go to their website. We actually use group submitters, so people who have full-time businesses where you send them your cards. They'll get them prepped, ready to go, fill out the paperwork, and send them off. Um, the toughest thing with that is... For cards that are not monster cards, you know, your your fifty to two hundred dollar cards, the pricing increases lately have become brutal. I mean, they're just it's it's very expensive to do it now, and the wait times you're talking months, if not a year. Mm. So it has to be something really worth something at this point in time to do it because it's become the craze. Because it can take mm. a fifty dollar card all the way up to five hundred bucks just by getting it graded correctly. So the market caught on to that. Everybody's flooding into that mar into that grading process. Mm. And that's and and that can make a huge difference in the valuation of the card. It's Absolutely. it's like if, if you've got that, is it a piece of paper that says like PSA whatever? Is is that how it works? Well, uh, just to give you a, so like you would hold up. I got a PSA holder right here. I always do a card nerd. It's just a PSA holder. It tells you what year the card is, the make of mm. the card, and then the actual grade. Nice glare there for you too. That was a good good shot by me. But so it guarantees authenticity first of all, and then it gives right. you that grade one through ten. And the grading market is so set, really. You know, you could have that same Willie Mays card. If it's raw, not graded, super, first of all, is it real? Second of all, what's the actual condition? It's, you know, so subjective. So there's a ton of variance in price when it's raw. When a card's graded, hey, this is what a five generally goes for. There's your idea what it's going to be priced at. And is there, I mean, that, so again, from a novice perspective, that makes me, a little uneasy of saying like, Hey, I'm going to send, I'm going to put my, my rookie card, my Jordan rookie card. I don't have a Jordan rookie card, but I'm going to put my Jordan rookie you card. In the mail. You got some Jordan rookies sitting around Adam. I, I don't, I wish I did. Okay, um, I, holding I, may, I may know someone who does though. <laughs> nice. um, there. And, and like, how do you know, I'm going to put it in the mail and hope I get it back. Has there been any, um, you know, what do you say to people like, like me who are, are kind of reluctant to do that? Yeah. So honestly, I, I myself personally, I use third party group submitters. There's a guy here in Nashville I use all the time, Nash cards. 
I send it right to him. I mean, Chris is doing huge business. He's not going to take one of my cards to make a few bucks. So he's a guy yeah. I trust. He's been in the hot. So I use this three guys. I use him. Sappy sports cards is on Facebook and then PC sports cards. They do all my grading. I just kind of divvy up my stuff, send it off. They then take care of the process of sending it in. Their websites give you track. Hey, they kind of update you along the way. PSA has received your order. PSA is processing the order. Hey, your order is shipping back, uh, that kind of stuff. And then your grades pop. As soon as they're graded, the, uh, the website updates and lets you know what you got. But I just use trusted people. I'm not going to send it to some some guy I don't know because, you know, I don't trust people blindly. But there's reputable companies, and that's why we've kind of teamed up with some of those vendors on our website to direct people to guys, I, you know, I know we can trust. And are those actual, like, stores that you will walk into in the Nashville area, or is there – Yeah. So there's so two now- here in – Two here in Nashville. Grand Slam Collectibles is just on the south side of the city. And then uh, Nash Cards is right in Nashville, too. Yep. And now you're from Lawrence, Mass, originally, yeah. right? Lawrence and Haverhill. Yep. So if you were still uh, – shout out Noah Vonley. If you were still um, if you were still in the uh, in that area, who would you use in, in the New England, you know, in, in around here? I'll be honest with you. I've been gone for 20 years. I have no clue. Oh, wow. But yeah, I, I have nothing, nothing – I mean, I think the two card shops I grew up going to – I know yeah. one of the guys died about a decade ago, and I think the other one closed down 15, 20 years. I mean, yeah, I have no – I don't get back nearly enough to mess around with card shops there. Is there, so, is there a regional component to this? Is the market hotter in a place like Nashville than it may be in a place like Boston or, or not really? You know, it used to be. Like when you and I were yeah. growing up, again, because when you were growing up and me, like you could – if you wanted a card, the only place you'd get it was that card show, Right. So if you're going, oh, to- there were stores when I was growing up. There sure. are a lot of those too. Yep. Yeah, or stores, right? So yeah. you're growing up in Connecticut. If you yep. want to buy a Don Mattingly card, no yeah. one's selling Mattingly cheap because there's a bunch of clown Yankee fans up there. I hope you're not a Yankees fan. No, I should have no. asked you beforehand. No. Socks, socks. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I don't mind killing this interview right now. Yeah, uh, no, no, it's, no. It's, but but you know what I mean. So regionally, back then, when there was no other outlet to buy cards, yeah. If right. I'm set up in New York, I'm putting a crazy premium on Yankees cards. Larry Bird, when I was growing up, everything yeah. was super expensive because we're all bird freaks. Tom Brady, same thing. Right. But now what's happened is I do maybe 5% of my buying in person. Maybe wow. and with COVID, nothing now. Even before that, you go to two or three of the national shows a year or regional shows. That's great. But when I want a card, I go to eBay or these Facebook groups and forums or Twitter. So there's really no regional aspect to it anymore. Hmm. So... If so, let me ask you a, a macro question. So, if you're again someone who has these in your basement from a timing standpoint, I've heard people talk about whether this is a bubble. I've heard you talk about how, uh, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't, you know, particularly like that word because all markets are going to fluctuate a certain amount. And is the market good right now? Yes, but is it a bubble? Probably not. Um, is this a time that you would recommend someone to sell? And if so, are there specific time periods or sports where the market is especially high right now? Yeah. So the bubble thing, it does. The bu- well, I'm a short man from Boston. Obviously, I'm irritable. <laughs> the bubble thing irritates me because people just throw that term around now. Yeah. Really, though, everything is a bubble. If we're going to say yeah. a bubble is just a selling component and that's the economy in that market, then everything's a bubble. Yeah. Do I think it's near the, near the, the peak of it where it's going to burst? No. Because, again, people way smarter who have more money than me, that list we went over earlier, celebrities, all these guys, they're not coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to buy a $5,000 card for myself. They're coming in and saying, I'm going to throw tens of millions of dollars at something. People like that don't generally lose money. Right. So, so that's one area. And the other thing we're seeing is, 
I mean, we get thousands of emails at this point. It's it's almost daily. That's why we've got some interns kicking back responses and trying to help yeah. people like like you're, you're mentioning. Hey, I haven't been in the card market in two decades. I want to get back in. And all of a sudden, guys are our age, 35, 40. They, they have interest here. You know, I always make the case I'm not going to go out and buy a Picasso painting or a Monet or something I have no interest in. But I am going to go buy a Tom Brady card or autographed jersey to put on my wall. Mm. And now we're getting to the point, again, 35, 40 years old, we got a little bit of spending cash. And not only do you get to get a piece of art, but now it's like, hey, it's an investment. So I think the demand is still so much greater than the supply that we're nowhere near a burst of a bubble. I just don't think that's realistic. Yep, yep. Uh, when it comes to timing, though, yeah, timing is everything, right? The seller's Guys, market? It Definitely a seller's market. Got to be selective, though, right? So, for example, football right now, although it's extremely hot, is lower than it was two months ago when there was playoff okay. hype. Okay. If you're in a position where you don't need money, I wouldn't sell football right now. Wait until the season starts. Wait until there's hype. Same thing with basketball. I mean, with basketball, with active players, I'm waiting to sell LeBron until he goes on a finals run. You know, Jason Tatum has been injured with, you know, been down with COVID. The Celtics are 500 right now. I'm not selling him right now. He's near the floor. I'd rather sell a little higher. It's like the stock market, though. What's the hype? What's the on-field production look like or on court? Like Joel Embiid to me is a guy I would sell. He's the front runner to be MVP, one yeah. of the best teams in the league. I, I just think I think he's going to get injured, and I think they're going to blow it in the playoffs. I'd sell him now. How about the um, how about the older stuff, man? How about guys who aren't playing anymore? There's certain markets that are hot right now if they're if they're already out. I mean, I, I would assume like if they're getting ready to go into the Hall of Fame or something like that, that seems like an obvious answer. But is there yep. are there certain like generations of certain sports, or does it not not manifest itself like that? No, absolutely it does. So we've seen so with Hank Aaron dying, it reminded the the hobby community how much of an impact that has on pricing. Not to be morbid, but it's just the way it is. When a sure. guy dies, there is so much attention. So Hank yeah. Aaron's stuff went absolutely through the roof. I mean, just about doubled. And he was already at a premium, his vintage wow. stuff. What we then saw was the spillover effect. And this is what I spent a bunch of money. The day after Aaron died, it was like, okay, so there's not really any money to be made buying him at the height. But my instant thought was, who are his contemporaries who are all-time greats? Willie Mays, Sandy Koufax. Mm -hmm. I started loading up on Willie Mays and Koufax back then because, again, not to be morbid, but that's what this market dictates. When a guy sure. dies, his pricing spikes. So we've seen a huge spike there, and then we're finally starting to see the spike in other areas. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a guy I rant about all the time, even though I can't stand them because I don't like tall people and I don't like Lakers. That dude is like a top three guy of all time has no hobby love compared to what he should. So I've been really? loading up on his rookies. I think that market's about to boom. Yeah. Football is finally vintage football. You know, growing up, I'm sure you saw this like I did. Card shows were all vintage baseball. Nobody right. had vintage football. Right. Well, now Walter Payton cards. I mean, that Walter Payton card sitting on my desk is a PSA 9 goes for less than 10 grand. But you talk about a PSA 9 of a mantle or anybody else from the 50s, those baseball players, tens of thousands, if not more. I just think the football vintage market has been so far behind. That's the next one that's already started to boom and is going to continue to rise, in my opinion. Do you remember, and I'm sure you do, I'm not going to describe it accurately, but <laughs> there was a there was a set. It was like the year that it was like the best NBA draft set, uh, uh, best NBA draft in history. It had Jordan, Olajuwon. 86, and there was, yep. And that there was a, I don't know, was it Fleer or something yep. that produced? And so all those rookie cards came out in the same set. And I think Barkley was in there, maybe Drexler. Drexler Ewing, um, yep, it, Stockton, huge yeah, year. 
is there any value in like, cause I remember back in the day I used to, I used to be about, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, put together a complete set. Is there any value in that anymore? Or is it just about the individual stars? No, there's still a market for sets. Yeah. Individual stars are the bigger draw. Cause most people are not going to spend money on, you know, the, the 150 commons in that set, but yeah. there's still definitely a market for sets, especially iconic sets. Uh, like you're talking about that 86 flare set. Um, obviously those guys were drafted in 84, but baseball, uh, basketball cards didn't come out annually. Then 86 was the first year you had it. So all those guys drafted before it just was a perfect storm. I mean, Elijah one, Ewing, Barkley, Jordan. Yeah. I think that was Drexler and Stockton and Malone as well. I, I mean, just right. a crazy loaded class. So yeah, that set, there's tons of guys who just chase individual cards they need from that set. What is like a ballpark for something for like a set like that? I mean, I'm sure it would depend on where it gets graded, but you know, yeah. if it was... all condition. I mean, cause again, just the Jordan, a PSA 10 sells for 750,000. But a those PSA... are those that's like finding a diamond on the street, right? I mean, yeah. A PSA five is probably more accurate. Like a PSA five is, you know, you can see some wear on the corners. It's not centered. I think a PSA five now does like, don't quote me like 8,000 ish. But same thing, like a Malone, a PSA 9 or 10 Malone is big money. All those rookies are four figures if they're a 9 or above. So if you were just going to go out and get those cards raw, kind of beat up, but they still present well, you could probably spend ten to 12000 I would think, on that set roughly. But it's just so condition subjective. It's it's hard to put any you know realistic yeah, yeah. number. All right, I've got two more questions if you'll allow me. I know you're, you're yep. a busy guy. First, first one is you mentioned uh, memorabilia. You yep. know, um, is that is that something that that you is that within your your area of of specialization as much as the sports cards? Uh, not as much, but I mean, my room's full of it. Yep. I mean, all the is stuff there, behind is me, there yeah. as much value in that world as there is sports cards right now? Yes and no. There's not the ex exclusivity factor, right? There's only so many Jordan rookies that are going to grade high. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like a Larry, like the ball behind me over my head is Bird and Magic. Well, they're still signing stuff all the time. You right. know. Brady's still signing a bunch of those helmets. So they've seen a little bit of a bump, but there's not a super, it's not super exclusive because those guys are still alive and signing. Um, you know, that again, Hank. Supply demand part can get altered. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other tough thing is guys coming back in the hobby, you might be able to convince your wife, hey, I'm going to buy a card for five grand, but I'm just going to put not it in like a safe it. as yeah. opposed to I'm going to buy a basketball and display it on my wall, you know. You also gotta have an understanding. <laughs> you gotta have a really understanding wife. Yeah. You're gonna start showing stuff off, though. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's there's definitely a market there, huge market. And so, and is there is there some place you go? Like you, you mentioned, the places for the cards. Is there some place you go if you have memorabilia to try and try and figure out uh, how much that is maybe worth? Yeah, I, honestly, a lot of the same. eBay, there's a huge memorabilia market. Uh, and again, the, the what you want to look for, though, is sold listings. I don't worry about mm -hmm. what people are asking. you got a bunch of clowns who ask crazy money for stuff. Sold listings on eBay. There's another website, 130, and then the word point.com. Mm -hmm. That has just a database of all completed eBay listings. Larry right. Bird. The biggest thing with memorabilia, though, is authentication. Okay. And you've got a couple major companies now. Right. But like, you know, Adam and Mike authenticate this ball. I'm not we sure. We get that done, it. Mike. You and I, we, we'll be big. Are you in? I'm ready uh, to do let's this. Do it. Let's do it. Actually, here, here's, and this is my last question. This is perfect. Sure. Because I do think there's an overlap here. So what I do, my, you know, I work in the scouting business. Right. And, and that's most of what I do is watching kids in high school and then, you know, following them to college and the NBA. And it's strictly basketball. 
But as I'm preparing for this interview and listening to other podcast episodes you've done and reading stuff you've done and I, I'm uh, reading articles about you and I'm listening to um, some of the parallels between sports, you know, like the online betting things that have really mm-hmm. surfaced and, and, and risen the interest in sports and, and across the board. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what, like the scouting knowledge is going to be especially important Huge. here. Yeah. When do so? I guess I, I want to kind of leave it open ended because the the overlap in, in our two worlds is really interesting to me, and so I, I was just curious about your overall thoughts on that. And then along those same lines, at what point at what point do cards start to get made? You know, like at what point is um you know is Kate is Cade Cunningham already had his first card or has that not happened yet? Um, you know, so so yeah, if you could speak to that a bit. Yeah, so first of all, yeah, I mean, honestly, a guy like you, and you're specifically NBA, right? That's all I read anyways, just NBA. Specifically basketball. Basketball. It's mostly high school basketball is where I, so last night, I mean, I'm in Connecticut now. Last night I drove to Maryland to see a prep school workout, and I stopped in Philly to see a high school game. It's why I look like I do this morning. Um, But it's, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my life. So the NBA to me is, is first of all, it's the, it's the most thriving market, basketball in general, direct connection to what you're saying. Because one thing we're seeing now is people are starting to chase early production stuff of guys before their actual pro cards are made. Mm. So like Trevor Lawrence right now, go, go football for a second, just because I'm a little more familiar with football. Sure, I'm sure the same thing exists in basketball, though. Some schools are putting out programs or whatever they're doing, little local promos where, hey, there's a card of this guy. Not made by Topps or Panini, just a card. Whoever mm-hmm. made you know, just a locally made thing. We're starting to see a bit of a spillover into that because it's like, hey, once their real rookies come out, they're crazy expensive, right, for highly touted prospects. But I can get in on the ground level. And, yeah, it's kind of a novice thing, but it's like it's still a card of this guy. And right. with so many new people coming in, they don't really care that it isn't Topps or it isn't the brand. Just, hey, this is a card of the guy I like, and it's an early thing. We're starting to see a bit of, of traction there. When it comes to knowledge, though, I mean, I think you've got – yeah, you you could name the top 50 guys in the, in the league right now – excuse me, in the upcoming draft. I couldn't name more than two, honestly. I don't follow college at all. And, and, but, and you may be – you know, I mean, part of the part of the business is figuring out, like, the guy – and it's it's an imperfect science, and, and but you're trying to figure out the guy who's drafted in the 20s who may turn out to be right. pretty good. You're trying to figure out, you know, and that – you know, I've heard you talk about, like, um, now may be a good time to sell your Zion Williamson stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, but like, no, you're right. You, you're trying to project like the long-term winner and not the short-term term gain. So that there there seems to be, in my mind, a lot of overlap because yeah. a lot of the pushback I get when I say like, hey, this guy's really not that good. Everybody says, you're a, you know, whatever. You know, he had 30 last night. And I was like, yeah, but I'm projecting it out for 10 years. And in your world, that's really relevant. Absolutely. Yeah. So for example, if you're a guy, years, 30 years, by the way. Yeah. Well, it could be 30 years. Let's, yeah. let's who knows. But like, if you're a guy who's all of a sudden early in on a guy like Giannis, or as my, yeah. my co-host says, Giannis, I like Giannis better, actually. I think I'm going to start using that. But like, I'm sure there was some scouts out there who said, Hey, this kid's super raw, hasn't played a ton of organized ball, but we project him five years from now to be an MVP. Jonathan Gaboni, ESPN. He was the guy who found him. Yeah. There you go. I mean, so if that guy had the wisdom to say, you know what, not only do I do I think that, but I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and invest in his rookie stuff when it's nothing, mm. that dude would have made 500 times his return. Wow. 
You know, so a guy like yourself, you, you're you're talking yeah, about. Mike, this. we're shutting this podcast down now because you and I are going to talk offline. All right, I'm we're in. Gonna... So we're authenticating sports items first of all, Adam yeah. and Mike's authentication, and we're right. going crazy. But it's true, man. You're going to see some kid playing in Connecticut who's going to be a late second round pick, and you're going to say, "Hey, I actually think this kid's going to be a contributor at some point." Yeah. If you could do that and then buy his cards when they come out before he pops, huge, huge crossover. And when do and, they come out? When do, when when does a first legitimate card come out? So in general, right after the draft, you know, you start okay. seeing college uniform stuff come out after the draft. And then after that, you'll start to see the pro uniform slowly start to. So like this for this year's class, like with LaMelo, he's had two or three college releases. Again, just a, a actual card professionally yeah. made, but hit, featuring him in his college or his he was European league, right? Wherever LaMelo yeah, he was, was all over the place. Yeah. 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 So but for most people like Zion college uniform would have been his first few releases. Then you start to see the pro uniform stuff leak out after that. Mike, I have monopolized enough of your time. This was fascinating. You you can follow Mike on Twitter and Instagram at Sports Card Nonsense. You can also find him at sportscardnonsense.com. He, his podcast is uh, latest on the Ringers uh, network. Mike, did I miss anything there? If, if people like me are intrigued and want to dive into this, where else can they find you? That's it, man. Sports Cards Nonsense everywhere. The website, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We even have Jesse on TikTok now dancing shaking his beautiful self on there a little bit so yeah anywhere you want to find it we're there all right well thank you so much good luck with the patriots gear out in nashville i'm sure that doesn't make you a popular popular guy you got it man thank you adam appreciate the time all right thank you guys that is the latest episode of the upside podcast i was thrilled to have mike on i know this was a little bit of a different subject for us but it's certainly an intriguing one with all kinds of uh, overlap and potential in the years to come. So as always, I'm your host, Adam Finkelstein, and thank you for listening to The Upside Podcast.